0: Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to Psalms 103, and uh, I've been teaching on a series on healing, and uh, last night I got attacked with an allergy attack, something I haven't experienced in several years it's almost like someone stuck a faucet in my nose and turned it on. I mean, it just, that's all it is, is I know what it is. But you know what? I just refuse to quit. I refuse to give up. I refuse to stop. And I know it's attack of the enemy because I've been teaching on healing. Amen? And this is what I tell myself. Now I'm living it. Now I'm just preaching it, but I'm living it. But I'm redeemed from allergies. You know, allergies under the curse, and I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. So they don't belong in my body, amen? And inflammation, part of sinus issues is inflammation, and uh, I'm not going to have that either. I'm redeemed from inflammation. So have you found Psalms 103? Psalms 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul and all that's within me, bless his holy name. How many of you know when Jesus encountered several people who came to him, they worshiped him? Well, how did they worship him? Well, here's one way that I can think of worshiping the Lord by just saying, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. That's a form of worshiping the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. And it goes on and it says, forget not all his benefits. All. Say all with me. You know, God loads us daily, the Bible tells us, with benefits. Daily he has benefits. And if we were to count all the benefits, you know, that God gives us, if our eyes were opened up to see all the things that God's doing, in fact, the truth is the very breath you breathe, the Bible says, comes from God. How many of you are thankful for that very breath that you breathe? I'm very thankful for it. And when you think about the chemical elements that are in the air, in the gas called air, you think about only on earth that we know of, and I know scientists have sent things into space and other atmospheres and things like that, but we're the only atmosphere right now that can sustain life. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Where did that come from? Well, I believe it came from God, according to the Word. So forget not all's benefit, who forgives you of your iniquities and who heals you of all your diseases. Why are those two words right there in one scripture? Well, I believe, first of all, many people believe God can heal. I remember uh, one of my friends in high school, his dad was a doctor, and I asked him, I said, "Uh, have you ever seen any miracles? He said, yeah, I've seen a few miracles. He said, there's things that we just can't explain. And so, you know, a lot of people believe God can heal. A lot of people believe that there are miracles out there, you know, but the key is, do you believe God heals you? Or do you believe God wants you healed? And sometimes there's this mental block in our psychic, in our mind thinking, in our mindset, I mean. And uh, we begin to think, well, you know, I know God can heal, but I'm just not quite worthy enough to be healed. And we don't see anywhere where anyone came to Jesus to be healed. And Jesus said, now let me see. Now, you know, I am the Son of God, and I know all things, and I know there's some things that doesn't make you worthy of healing. He never said that. In fact, the Bible says he was led by compassion to bring healing to the people. In other words, compassion and mercy are uh, uh, synonymous uh, as far as words are concerned, very very much synonymous. And it's because the mercy of God, he wanted them healed. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, he said, I'm anointed, you know, quoting uh, Isaiah 61, I'm anointed to heal the brokenhearted to bring healing, to open up the blind eyes, to open up the deaf ears. This is my purpose. This is what I want you to know. I want you to know that my Father, our Father, speaking of God, is so good, He's not holding anything against you to hinder you from receiving all that He has for your life. He wants you to experience everything that He has for you. And a good Father does. He wants you to experience everything that he has for you. What is the Lord's Prayer? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when someone passes away, what do we say? Well, they're not sick anymore. They're not sad anymore. You know, and there is a tremendous miraculous transition that takes place when you leave this earth and go into eternity. But we really believe that. But you know, God, your heavenly Father, wants you to experience heaven on earth. He doesn't want you to be sick. Sickness is not of God. And that's why it says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus who went about doing good, healing all those who are oppressed of the devil. And so we recognize and we can see in the word of God that the devil is the one who brings sickness. Now, let me clarify something. If you're sick, it doesn't mean you have a devil, okay? And if you're overcoming something, it doesn't mean you have lack of faith, all right, let's get this out of our, our, our system here. Because so many times I heard someone, well, if they had enough faith, they would have gotten healed. Well, listen, according to my understanding of the word of God, when you were born again, you were given the faith of God. It's not about enough faith. Maybe there's some knowledge. Yes, my people perish for lack of knowledge. But, you know, don't let the enemy condemn you. Because for whatever iniquity the enemy tells you makes you unworthy to receive, it says right here, he's forgiven you of all your iniquities. S Doesn't matter. Now, I'm not giving you a license to go out and sin. Hello, somebody. You know, there's benefits. The Bible says there's benefit to live a holy life, and there are, and that's another series in itself, and I'm not going to go there today. But, you know, God wants you healed, and one of the things that we need to do is remove the barrier of not being good enough. And this is why it says, I forgive you of all your iniquities whatever sin you've committed whatever whatever is in your life that doesn't line up with god god says you know what i'm merciful i'm going to forgive you and he heals you of all your diseases now heals again is plural so that means that you know what even though you may go a a long time without ever getting sick and if you get sick again hey Well, I got healed once, just like Jordan said. I got healed once. Well, if God can heal somebody of Crohn's disease, which medical science says is uncareable, then God can do anything, can't he? Amen. Amen. And so she's experienced that. You're not going to take that away from her. There are some things you're not going to take away from me personally. I've experienced the supernatural touch of God. I was in an accident on New Year's Eve. Several years ago, somebody hit, hit me from the back and uh, 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 rammed me into the curb, and, and I slammed my head on the, on the steering wheel, had a big old cut right here, and uh, had a whiplash. And, you know, I just said, you know, I'm not going to put up with this. And God healed me instantly of that whiplash. I was totally healed. You know, I've experienced God's healing. Jesus said he came to heal the brokenhearted. In other words, get our hearts to the place that we can receive from God. God wants you healed. That's just the bottom line. And so, you know, though sickness and disease may attack your body, it doesn't mean that God's punishing you. And yet there are some things in the Old Testament where God says, well, you know, if you walk away from me, these plagues will come up on you. Aha, pastor, see, God puts sickness on people. No, no, people walk away from God. And when they walk away from God, they walk away from his benefits. You know, it's kind of like going to your favorite ice cream store. You know, you got to go and be there to enjoy the ice cream. Hello, somebody, right? You know, but if you walk away from it, are you ever going to get, or if you don't ever return to your favorite ice cream store, is it just going to supernaturally appear to you? Probably not. All right. And so the same thing with God, you've got to be in his kingdom, you know, and you've got to be seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added onto you. If you're seeking God, you're going to find God. And that's how merciful God is. So don't get under condemnation if you need healing. And just because you, you might be sick doesn't mean that you're demon-possessed. It's just that the demons, uh, I mean, the devil's the author of sickness. And that's what it says in Acts 10, 38, how Jesus went about healing, uh, doing good and healing all those oppressed of the enemy. So sickness comes from the devil. But, you know, Jesus told us in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, I give you all power, over the power of the enemy. So the enemy has, has authority to try to put sickness on people. He does have that. He, but it goes on, it says, and by no means, say no means. No means. He has no means. He has, absolutely has no supernatural power to put sickness on you. Okay? By no means shall anything harm you. And this is the me- mindset we need to get a hold of. God wants me well. God wants me healed. In fact, Psalms 91 says that with long life, I will satisfy you. Amen. You know, and, 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 and again, I'm not here to say anything in a, a condescending way, but it's not a satisfying life when a person dies from a terminal disease. It's a sad thing. I saw my mother die of a terminal disease. It's a very sad thing. That's not a satisfied life. But a satisfied life is one of those lives where you just live for God and, 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 and you know, w- one day you're, you're, you're really healthy and well, and then the next day when you're 120 years old or however old you want to be when you want to pass on, maybe you sit down after reading the word, you know, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, your spirit just leaves your body and you're in heaven. That's what I'm believing for. And I believe that's God's best way to live this life. How about you? Long life will I satisfy thee. God wants you to live a dignified life. So you have authority over over sickness and disease, just like you have authority over the enemy. And the other thing I want to remind you is that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And just like Jesus had to drive out, you know, The money changers that are in that were in the natural temple. Sometimes you have to drive out negative things or demonic things or demonic uh, mindsets or attitudes or strongholds. You got to drive that out of your temple too. You got to really work at keeping the right mindset before God. You know, and you not need to remind yourself. Yeah, the sickness and disease may be a fact, but truth overrides facts. And the truth is, I'm healed. The truth is, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. And so we need to believe the report of the Lord. And we talked about also how Jesus healed, healed people of rejection. We know people don't think about, you know, being rejected. But when you're rejected, it's a hurt. Anything that brings any type of hurt, whether it's physical or emotional, needs healing, And what happens a lot of times is that when someone's been rejected for whatever reason, they harbor that hurt because they don't realize that the rejection has caused the hurt. And they don't realize that hurt needs to be healed. And so Jesus came and healed the brokenhearted. And then we saw in Matthew 8 many different ways that Jesus brought healing about. Number one, they worshiped Jesus. As we saw there in Psalms 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. You know, it's so amazing what happens to your your physical body when you begin to get into the presence of God and just begin to worship Him. In fact, there are some scientific studies for those who pray in the Spirit or pray in other tongues that it it increases your immune system. It excites your endorphins and causes your immune system to get stronger. That's why it says in Jude uh, 20, Beloved, build yourself up. How? By praying in the Holy Ghost. And that's what Jude 20 says. So you build yourself up. And so getting it in the presence of God, getting that mindset of being in God's presence where there's peace. Speaking the word, Jesus defeated the enemy by saying, it is written. So speak the word. We know that Jesus spoke the word. The centurion came to him and said, hey, my servant is tormented by this sickness. And so he he said, Jesus said, well, I'll come heal him. And he said, no, just speak the word. And Jesus was you know, take him back. He said, wow, I haven't seen anybody have this kind of faith. I'm so glad you said that because that's what I want everybody to get hold of. If you'll speak the word, it'll happen. So Jesus spoke the word, and the centurion went back and found out his servant was healed about the very same time that he spoke the word. Isaiah 55:11 says it like this, So shall my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return void. So God watches over his word to perform it, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And so when we begin to say, hey, I'm healed, someone says, well, aren't you lying when the facts are that you you got sickness in your body when you say, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed? No, I'm overriding the facts by speaking the truth. I'm healed, I'm healed. The word of God says I'm healed. It is written I'm healed. And a lot of times when I pray, I go, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh, and by his stripes I am healed. And so, and again, Jesus also cast out some of the spirits and the tormenting spirits through, through uh, just just cast them out and said, said to the sickness, come out. He, he commanded the sickness to come out. Hey, sickness, come out in Jesus' name. Uh, He also laid hands on Peter's mother in law. Now, that's real love, isn't it? When you bring Jesus to your house to have your mother in law healed, that's a good relationship. Amen? We ought to learn from that. Now, I'll move on. But anyway, so, you know, he laid hands on his mother in law. He walked in. She was with fever. He just touched her, you know. And sometimes, you know, we think, well, you know, we need to. We need to demonstrate and, and and prove the power of God. You know, God doesn't need your help to prove that he's good. Amen. Amen. He can he he has got the PR already taken care of, his own public relations, you know. He's he's got this taken care of. And usually people who are critical of God are people who don't want to serve God in the first place. Let's just be real. And so anyway, so he doesn't need any help and, you, and, and and you to bring up this big religious prayer. And listen, I'm not against praying, but you know what? He just laid hands on her. He just went up to her and just tapped her on, on hand, hand, hand and probably said, how are you, dear sister? And man, the fever left her. And she got up and began to serve her, serve them like there was not a problem at all, you know. And so sometimes you can just Tapped somebody on the shoulder. Eric picked up that I was struggling with my sinuses, and they slapped me on the shoulder and said, I believe you're healed. Amen. He's gotten this. I believe that too. Amen. I take hold of it, you know. So he just touched him, you know, and threw the touch. Why? Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and will quicken your mortal body. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 15, it says, for those who believe, they shall cast out devils, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I believe that with my whole heart. I'll never forget one time we were still associate ministers, and we were living in Fort Worth, Texas, and I went to Home Depot, and and like I always do, I mean, I have this goal to, to be the nicest customer that they've ever experienced, the nicest person they've ever run into is kind of my my mindset. That's the way I want to treat people. And so I asked the person who was checking me out, I said, how you feeling, oh, I'm terrible. I got this terrible, terrible headache. And I said, well, I just take authority over that headache and command it to leave you right now in Jesus' name. I said, how you feeling? And they just kind of, you know, just belligerently said to me, I don't feel any better. I said, well, okay, but I believe you're going to. Well, before I could grab my bag, she said, sir, I just wanna let you know I just lied to you. The moment you prayed for me, the headache left. You know, people, she'll never forget that. People are looking for you to do what the Word of God says to do. Lay hands on it. Can I pray for you? You know, some people will say no. They want to keep that sickness, you know. Well, you know, my wife and I were at a wedding reception. This lady was hacking a cough, and my wife said, can I pray for you? She goes, no, don't pray for me. Oh, okay, we won't pray for you, you know? Keep your sickness, you know? Be miserable if you want to be, amen? But you know, not everybody wants to believe like like uh, we believe. And it, the truth is, is because they don't have a good understanding of who God is. And so one of the things that I want to share with you today is what medical science says about stress. Stress is the leading uh uh, the 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 leading cause of all illness and sickness. So I got this uh, research from the University of Malaysia in psychology and medical department. So I'm going to read this to you uh, uh, for just the next four or five minutes. The relationship between stress and illness is complex. The susceptibility to stress varies from person to person. Among the factors that influence the susceptibility to stress are genetic vulnerability, coping styles, types of personality, and social support. You know, when I think about social support, I think about that scripture that says, don't forsake yourselves of the assembly of yourselves together. Why is that? Well, you know, sometimes we're, well, I come to church, I'm hoping for the pastor to lay hands on me. Why not the greeter lay hands on you? You know, I mean, why do I have to do all the work? Come on, help me out with this. All right? But you get your social support from the church. That's why it's so important you come to church. I'm thankful for those who watch us online, but don't stay there. I see you there in your robe and your rabbit, you know, uh, slippers and your jelly donuts, you know, Drinking your coffee and watching me, and I appreciate that. But you know what? You just need to get dressed and come to church. (laughs) Besides, you wouldn't have to clean all the jelly donut off your (laughs) robe. Because when I say something you like, you shout, and that jelly just squirts all over the place. I know what's (laughs) going on. All right. Let's move on. But not all stress has a negative effect. Studies have shown that short-term stress boosts the immune system, but chronic stress has a significant effect on the immune system that ultimately manifests in illness. Stress raises the risk of viral infection, can trigger severe bronchial constriction, increases the risk of diabetes, psychological stress alters insulin needs, Stress alters the acid concentration in your stomach, which can lead to peptic ulcers, stress ulcers, or colitis. Chronic stress can also lead to plaque buildup, hardening of the arteries. Think about that, especially if combined with a high-fat diary and sedentary living. The correlation between a stressful life events and psychiatric illness is stronger than the correlation with medical or physical illness. The relationship of stress with psychiatric illness is the strongest in neurosis, which is followed by depression and schizophrenia. There's no scientific ev- evidence of direct cause or effect relationship between the immune, chain, immune system changes and the development of cancer. However, Recent studies found a link between stress, tumor development, and suppression, destroying small metastasis. I'm not sure I'm saying that right. I'm not a medical doctor. But I'm going to reread something here just for a moment because I really want us to get hold of this. The relationship of stress with psychiatric illness is the strongest in neurosis, which will follow by depression and schizophrenic. Now, I'm just going to take a moment and just share some things out of my heart. One of the things that Vicky and I do, we endeavor to do, is to really make sure that those who serve in a church don't overdo it, okay? That's so important. Listen, if we have to work 70 or 80 or 90 or 120 hours a week to have church, you know what? Let's not have church. I'm sorry, but that's just how I feel about it. You know, We don't need to stress people out to the point that they burn out. And, and, and psychological burnout is almost like a light bulb burnout. You know, how many of you know that a light bulb is just about ready to burn out? You don't, you know, until one day you hit it, the power hits it, and bam, it flickers and it's gone. Well, that's the way emotional burnout works in a lot of people. And if they're not careful, they don't realize that they're setting themselves up for burnout. And we've seen it many times where we've sat down with staff and said, listen, you know, the work you do, we appreciate, but go home, you know, and and, and they wouldn't. And they burn down. And they end up having mental challenges in their life as a result of not listening. You know, and it's not worth it. Hello, somebody. It's not worth it working yourself so much when you don't have to. And I'm not saying be lazy by any means. I know there's a balance in all this. But don't burn yourself out thinking, well, if I don't get it done, it won't get done. Or the truth is that some people have this such an insecurity on the inside of them that they work a lot harder to try to get recognition to uh, uh, pacify the insecurity that's on the inside of them. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And I'm not talking about just church. I'm talking about work in general. You know, sometimes we'll stress ourselves out when we don't need to stress ourselves out. Hello, somebody. Did you receive that today? So that's why I wanted to share that again. Stress is defined as a process in which environmental demands strain an organism adaptive capacity, resulting in both psychological demands as well as biological changes that could place a risk for illness. Things that cause us stress are called stressors. Stress affects everyone, young. And old, rich and poor, life is full of stress. Stress is, uh, is in, and stress is in every fact of life that we must deal with. It comes in all shapes and sizes. Even our thoughts can cause us to stress and make the human body more susceptible to illness. Emotional stress is a major contributing factor to the six leading causes of death in the United States. Cancer, coronary heart disease, accidental injuries, respiratory disorder, cirrhosis of the liver, and suicide. Chronical stressors include daily hassles, frustrations of traffic jams, work overload, financial difficulties, marital arguments, or family problems. There are, of course, many more things that can cause stress, but these are the stressors commonly encountered in daily life. The pent-up anger we hold inside ourselves towards any of these situations or the guilt and resentment we hold towards others or ourselves all produce the same effect. Instead of discharging the stress, however, we hold it inside where its effects become cumulative. Stress is positive when it forces us to adapt and thus to increase strength of our adaptation mechanisms warns us that we are not coping well and that lifestyle changes is warranted if we are to maintain optimal health. This action-enhancing stress gives the athletic uh, athlete the competitive edge and the public speaker the enthusiasm to project optimally. Stress is negative when it exceeds our ability to cope, fatigues body system, and causes behavior and physical problems. This harmful stress is called distress. Say Distress. This stress produces overreaction, confusion, poor concentration, and performance, anxiety, and usually results in subpar performance. And that was just a little bit of the research that I read that I felt like I had 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 enough time to share today in today's message. But God doesn't want us to be distressed. In fact, if you read the Bible, one of the things that the Bible tells us is that God didn't design his people to be distressed, but he designed the enemy to be distressed. The devil ought to be under stress, not us. The enemy ought to be under stress, not us. He ought to be in fear. He ought to be under such distress and has such poor concentration that he can't make good decisions, you know, because of us. In fact, the truth is that when the people of Jericho heard about the children of Israel, they became very distressed or overwhelmed because they knew God was on their side. Glory to God. I'm so glad I'm on God's side and God's on my side because, you know what, the enemy is distressed over that. Hallelujah. I believe the enemy gets distressed every time we speak the word of God. Why? Because the word is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder uh, from the soul and the spirit. Amen? And so the word of God is so sharp that it defeats the enemy every time we speak the word of God. He doesn't want us to speak the word of God. That's why he's playing the game of chess with stress, and that is to try to cause us to take this very stress that he's experiencing when we speak the word of God against him but we don't have to receive it. Say no stress here. Not having that stress. I'm not having that stress. So according to the research here, I can put it in, in, in more of a Christendom term, and that is one of the causes of stress is unforgiveness. And that's why it's so important that we learn to walk a life of forgiveness. Forgiveness. You know, forgiveness is not that hard. We forgive by faith. Sometimes we forgive by faith, but we're not healed of the hurt that we had to forgive of. That's where a lot of people, you know, uh, get off track. They think, well, I still hurt, so I must still have unforgiveness. Or this is how the enemy condemns them. Well, if you forgive forgiven, why, uh, why are you still hurting? Why are you still grieving? Why are you still? Well, because you haven't been healed of the hurt. You know, and just like when you have an accident, you need to be healed of the hurt. You also need to be healed of whatever you need to forgive. You can forgive somebody and not receive your healing. So you need to take it a step further. When you forgive somebody, you need to say, okay, Lord, not only do I forgive them, but I also receive my healing or I guard my heart from being hurt by the very thing I'm forgiving in Jesus' name. And that's what's so powerful here. But unforgiveness will cause stress. Grief and unhappiness causes stress. Sadness causes stress. That's why the Bible says, "A merry heart doeth good like medicine." Now, I don't know about you, but I've been sad and I've been discouraged and I've been, you know, uh, disappointed, and there are times where I just made myself laugh. You know, ha ha. ha. Why don't you try it? Ha. ha, ha. How hard's that? Ha ah, ah, ha ah. You know? How do you laugh? Well, you, you start like this. Ha ha. Ho ho. Hee hee. All right. You got to start somewhere. You know? I don't feel like laughing. Well, sometimes I don't feel like laughing either. But as I begin to laugh and get a merry heart, and sometimes a merry heart starts with, you know, thinking the right thoughts. Or watching the Three Stooges. Whichever one takes place, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't really care what causes you to laugh. Rejection. Rejection causes stress. You know, you see these little kids, you know, and they're picking somebody for the team. And this, you know, the last couple people who are on the team, you know, they're under stress hoping that they get picked. Wondering why they didn't get picked first, you know. And so that's a form of stress. A heavy workload is stressful. Dangerous situations are stressful. Insecurities causes stress. Well, what do we need to do when we're under stress? Well, the first uh, time we see somebody really do something under stress was with Jacob. Jacob was going to go back and reunite with Esau. Well, if you know the story, he left Esau in bad terms. And Esau said, you know, I'm going to kill him if I ever get a chance. You know? But God led you know, Jacob to go back. And so what did Jacob do? He built an altar. He went to God. You know, that's why it says, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. That's why it's so important that we put God first in our life. One of the names of God is Jehovah Shalom. Shalom means to be complete. It means to be at peace. God wants you to be at peace. It means to be whole. In fact, actually, the name Jehovah Shalom, you know, also enhances the name Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heal thee, because, you know, you know he wants you healed, but he does not not just want you healed, he wants you whole. And what does that mean? He wants you exactly the way he designed you to be. That's his plan for your life. And so, but peace, a lot of times we think of tranquility when we think about peace. And of course, that's one of the things that helps us overcome stress is get to a place of peace and relaxation. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 29 through 31, it says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him. And if you seek him with your all your heart, with all your soul, when you are in distress, and all these things come upon you in latter days. When you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice, for the Lord your God is merciful God, he will not forsake you nor destroy you nor forget the covenant of your fathers which he had sworn to them. Wow. He hasn't forgotten all the covenants from the Adamic covenant until the covenant that Jesus sealed when he shed his blood on the cross for us. All these covenants he hasn't forgotten. How do they begin manifest in my life? If I will seek God first, if I will just turn to him. And this is what it's saying. We don't usually see the word repent in the Old Testament, but the word repent means to turn back to him or come back to him. You know, and I know there's been repentance uh, 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 services where people come to the front and they confess all their sins to God, you know, and, um, you know, and, and I know that's a form of repentance, but, you know, true repentance is returning back to God, coming to God. And this is what he's saying, man, if you're, you're, you're distressed, probably it's because, you know what, you probably have made some decisions, gotten distracted, and probably are starting to do things in your own strength. That's usually what happens. You know, and when you start doing things in your own strength, you're going to wear out. And so that's why God says, come back to me. Let me give you a fresh oil change called the anointing of God. Hello, somebody. You missed that. Let me give you a fresh oil change called the anointing of God. Be anointed by his spirit. Be anointed by his presence. Let me refresh you. So that you can do things not in your own strength, but in my strength. Because I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Amen? I can't do all things in my own ability, but I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And so... He said, when you're in distress and all these things come up on you in the latter days, when you turn or when you repent, you come back to God, Lord your God, and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is merciful. He will not forsake you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers, which he swore to them. That's why we can say all of God's promises are yes and amen. All right, secondly, stop and ask. Stop and ask, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And what is the solution? You know, years ago, uh, I was not married yet, but I was very seriously thinking about marrying this lovely lady on the front seat, this one right here in the pink, and because uh, you're all lovely on the front seat, but anyway. And, uh, you know, I was just, you know, I was a single man trying to find my way, you know, going after God. And, uh, you know, a friend of mine was selling uh, these modular homes or these mobile homes. He said, hey, come by and see, you know, what I'm doing here. So I did. Boy, they had this great deal on this mobile home. And I was living in a mobile home that, you know, probably needed to be scrapped. And, uh, but because of my, you know, my construction abilities and stuff like together, it's held together with duct tape and baling wire. But anyway, but it, the deal was just right, da da, 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 you know, and I'm just going, you know, Lord, do I need to do this? You know, why am I, and I just got myself under a panic stress, like, you know, what's going to happen, and this, and now I want to marry Vicki, and all of a sudden, the Lord said, stop. I heard the Lord say, stop. He said, who said you had to make any of these decisions right now? And so I backed up a little bit, and I thought, you know what? That's so right. You know, pressure. I felt the internal pressure to make decisions. Don't make major decisions when you're under pressure. You know, usually a, a lot of times you'll end up making a wrong decision. Don't let someone pressure you into making a major decision. That's the other one. Well, they're my friend. Well, you know what? They'll get over it. Amen? Secondly, don't make a decision A major decision when you're angry. You know, when you're angry, don't make a major decision because a lot of times you're going to make a wrong decision. Step back. You know, there's this little fire drill. If you catch on fire, what do you do? Stop, drop, and roll. Well, if you're under stress, stop, drop, and pray. (laughs) Amen? Until you get a word from God. You know, well, I might miss God. You know, God's never late. You know, it's easier for God to help catch up with you than it is when you get the cart before God or when you get ahead of God. You know, it's better to wait on the Lord because the Bible says, they that wait up on the Lord shall renew their strength. It's better to wait on him because when you're seeking God's will, you're in God's will. Let me say that one more time. Somebody needs to hear that. When you're seeking God's will, you're in God's will. You'll never miss the will of God by seeking God's will. Well, it might be too late. I may never, may never have this chance again. Oh, you will. God's a God of many opportunities. All right, and don't make major decisions when you're ill. That's the worst time to make major decisions when you're ill. You know, life will go on without you. You know, God's bigger than you. I never forget when we first started the church and we had. It was our first year in starting the church, you know, and and, uh, my attitude was don't leave, you know, stay here, you know, be accountable for everything, you know. And so I was going to come back and and be back at a certain time, and we were at this minister's conference, and um, we couldn't make it. I was like, God, what am I going to do? I'm not going to be there. And and the Lord said, "Um, I can handle this. You know, God can handle it, all right? All right, thirdly, know that distress is from the enemy, but it's not only from the enemy, it's for the enemy. Listen, if you're going to stress anybody out, stress him out by speaking the word of God. And the fourth thing I see here is overcome stress with worship. In 1 Samuel 16, 23, it says, And so it was, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, and David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Think about that. You know, if you don't have a means of, of, of playing some type of worship music or getting into the presence of God, you know, then, then you know, let me encourage you, do whatever you can. You know, we used to play cassettes, but now I think it's CD players, but now we have iPads. And we can go on YouTube, and we can listen to beautiful worship music on our phones today. Isn't that wonderful? Look how convenient God made it for you to just to pull up some worship music and just begin to allow God's Spirit to minister to you. Get into that place where you let stress leave you. Several years ago when we were in the old location, you know, we bought this old bar, and um, we were were remodeling it. And so anyway, I'd get up real early and go and start remodeling it and doing all the remodeling and update that we, we needed to do for the place and, and uh, you know, get everything going. And I'd come home probably about 9 or 10 o'clock and take a shower, go to bed, and get up and do it the next day. And so anyway, I did this uh, for several weeks, I think months, in fact. And so anyway, uh, she wasn't here. She's a real good stress tester, my wife. And she wasn't here to tell me to slow down, so I didn't. And so anyway, all of a sudden I stepped into the zone where it's like I had this abundant of energy, you know. And I thought it was the anointing of God, but it wasn't. And so anyway, in fact, one of my staff said, Pastor, I've just, man, I've never seen anybody like this. And you just keep going and going like the energized bunny rabbit, you know. And uh, so uh, I said, well, I just think it's the anointing of God. And one day I was praying and the Lord said, I want you to come out of this. I knew exactly what he was talking about. But I said, come out of what? <laughs> but I knew what he's talking about. I knew, he, he just when God speaks to you, you kind of know what he's referring to. He said, this is not of me. And uh, I, I thought, okay. I said, what do I do? He said, I want you to go home. And he said, I want you for three days to do nothing but sit in your lazy boy chair. You know, and I'm telling you, it was the hardest thing for me to do to just sit there, and, and uh, she was with me, you know, when I was doing this, and I and I was obedient to God, and I sat there, you know, and about a day and a half after sitting there, I start feeling something ooze out of my pores. It didn't hurt, but boy, my it was I was sensitive, and I knew what had happened was that I had had a friend who hit major burnout in his life. He never took a day off. Hello, somebody. What Jesus say? God made the Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath. He never took a day off. He never took a day off. He never took a day off. I'm telling you, you need to learn to take a day off. Sometimes taking a day off is just doing something different than you normally do. But you need to learn to take a day off. You really need to learn sometimes just to sit down and do nothing for a day once in a while. That's good for you. You need to learn to take a day off. You know, well, things won't get, well, you know, if you're that important, you know what, then ask God to clone you. <laughs> you know, I mean, think about it, you know. And I understand sometimes there are some responsibilities that hit us at the most inopportune time, and I'm not talking about that, but but purpose to take a day off. That's so important. But I had a friend who never took a day off, and he hit major burnout, and he knew It's amazing that it took him seven years to get healed of that. So God made six days and the seventh day for what that he never took advantage of? And so I had just, you know, I I, I was in correspondence with him, praying with him. And so he had gone through infectious disease doctors, uh, oversee infectious disease doctors. They went through everything, couldn't find anything wrong, found out what happened. And that is your body has a lot of chemicals in it. One of them's called endorphine. The other one's called dopamine. Okay, and so you have more dopamine than you have endorphine. And when the endorphine rises, the dopamine's released to kind of balance it out. One's a you know kind of a uh, uh, gives you energy, and the other one kind of settles you down. Okay, and so but if, if you run out of en- endorphine, all of a sudden you have nothing but a, a dopamine going into your system, and it makes you feel bad. Makes you feel like you can't do anything. That's what you call burnout. Okay, and so that's what was going on with me. I could feel the endorphins starting to ooze out of my pores. That's the only way I can explain it to you. Why? Because God loved me so much, he didn't want me stressed out about building a church. And it was a building project. I was doing most of it. I had other help from time to time, but I was doing most of it. I certainly was a general contractor, but I was doing most of the work, a lot of the work myself, you know. And uh, I, I, was, I was, you know, heading for burnout. But thank God that, you know, the relationship with this man, unfortunately he went through what he went through, but it opened up a door for me to realize what was going on. God doesn't want you stressed out over anything. And that's why it's important sometimes you just take a day of rest. I'm doing good this morning. So we see that Saul overcame a distressing spirit through worship. And the last thing I have here is call on the Lord and seek first the kingdom of God. You know, seeking God first is not that hard. Psalms 107 verse 6 says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of all their distresses. So it sounds like to me that God's saying, you know, one of the keys to walking in a divine health, a life without sickness, a life that is satisfying, is to take time for God and let God speak to your life. You know, take some time for God. You know, take try to figure out a time where you can have, if you can have at least five minutes just alone with God. Five minutes alone with God is like, you know, probably worth more than an hour session with a good therapist. And I'm not against therapists, okay? I'm just saying that God can do something in a moment that medical science can't do in a lifetime. Amen. Just take that time to listen to God. Shut things down. Say, God, what are you saying? What are you saying about my decisions? What are you saying about my job? What are you saying about, you know, uh, uh, other things that you're facing? What are you saying about it, God. A lot of times you'll hear God whisper into your spirit, I've got this. Really? I got this. Yeah, he's got it. He's really got it. Well, what do I need to do? Well, I don't know all the answers of what God's telling you to do, but I know what God tells me to do. And that is put your trust in the Lord and lean not unto your own understanding. For it'll be health unto your bones, is what Proverbs chapter 4 says. Isn't that powerful? And so it all goes back to how do you walk in this divine health? How do you walk in divine healing? How do you walk in this place of walking in God's promises? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org, or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.